Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Perspective Transformation Radio, enjoying its 10th anniversary, often the number one live airing broadcast on Blog Talk Radio, and reaching a global audience of over 185,000 listeners. During this hour-long interview-style program, you'll meet perspective transformers who come to share their most pivotal, life-changing insights and aha moments, offering you instant access to life, leadership, and God-loving Welcome to Perspective Transformation Radio, enjoying its 10th anniversary, often the number one live airing broadcast on Blog Talk Radio, and reaching a global audience of over 185,000 listeners. During this hour-long interview-style program, you'll meet perspective transformers who come to share their most pivotal, life-changing insights and aha moments, offering you instant access to life, leadership, and God-loving seismic shifts of your own. We encourage you to invite friends to join you here now, or share quotes with attribution, and also to reach out to our sponsor, WomenSpeakers.com, the most popular online connecting place for Christian event planners and Christian women speakers since 2002. I'm your host, Marnie Swedberg, and I encourage you to grab a notepad and get ready to meet today's Perspective Transformers. We're going to do something just a little bit different today. Esther Littlefield is a show host herself. She's a pastor's wife, mom of a spirited child, founder and CEO of Morning Star Media Services, and she's active leader in her church. She loves leading Bible studies, missions, trips, and retreats, and she's here today to interview me. So sit back, buckle up, and enjoy the interview with Esther Littlefield. I am super excited to be here today with Marnie Swedberg. Marnie is a leadership mentor to over 15,000 leaders from 35 countries. She's the author of 13 books, the founder and director of Bible Study Expo and WomenSpeakers.com, and she's the host of the number one ranked and featured blog talk radio show, Perspective Transformation. Marnie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Esther. Great to be here. Hi, everybody. (laughs) Super excited to chat with you today about your leadership journey and what you're going to share with us about hopefully talking about worry and stress and anxiety and how we can deal with those things. So I'd love to just have you start by telling us a little bit about how you're leading currently in your everyday life. Yeah, so one of the privileges I get to have is to sit behind the computer and match speakers with planners all over the world and a lot in the United States, but also some organizations abroad use our site womenspeakers.com to find their speakers for their women's conferences. So I get to work with all these over 1,000 amazing Christian women speakers who are willing to go, and then thousands of women's ministry leaders and event planners to find the right match for their events, and it is such a joy and privilege to do that. So that's my kind of my full-time thing that I work on, and then also host Bible Study Expo, which is an annual event. We're just um, right now doing the watch party. We had it in a few a month ago, and then now we're doing the watch party coming up, and that is introducing the latest Bible study books by Christian women authors. So you get to meet the authors and learn more about the Bible study books and see if it might be a good fit for you personally or your Bible study group. So a lot of churches that have women's Bible studies attend that event as well. And then also I do go speak, and I love to speak at women's conferences and retreats and events and excited to get to go here in a few months to um, Africa, to Rwanda, Uganda, and Kenya, as well as to the Philippines for women's conferences over there. So right now, that's kind of what I'm doing. 
Wow, that's a lot of things. <laughs> and I love it. It sounds so amazing, just all these different things that you're doing. So tell me how you got started in leadership. Where did your leadership journey begin? Well, I always say everybody's leading somebody. And I remember as an adult thinking, you know, when do I become an older woman where I should actually start you know, mentoring younger women or whatever. And God put this memory in my heart of actually being 11 years old and helping with four-year-old Sunday school. And I was like, oh, really? I was really already mentoring women at that point. You know, they were four and I was 11. (laughs) (laughs) I think somebody's watching us, no matter who you are, no matter what age you are, no matter what you're doing, somebody is watching what you're doing. And I think in that light, we are all leaders. Mm. So actually, when I had my first official leadership uh, position, I started working for a fitness center, a health club when I was 16 years old. I started working for them part time. And I went on to graduate high school at age 17. And without them knowing how old I was, because my district manager didn't tell the headquarters how old I was, they, <laughs> they, just, they just cycled me through the, the um, ranks. And by the time, while I was still 17 years old, I was actually managing a whole health club. Wow. So it started really early for me. <laughs> and mm. it's something I've always loved to do is I call myself a cheerleader. I really love to get behind somebody who has some talent, has a gift, has a vision, and just really help. And then over the years, God really shifted that cheerleading role into a mentor role where I had done a lot of things. I mean, I've written books, I've, I've written and published songs, I've traveled around the world to speak, I've done all these things. We owned a restaurant and we owned a retail store as a family. So, I mean, I've managed businesses in, in different um, industries. And I've always been, I always loved sales. So I've been a salesman and a sales manager. Mm. So there's all these things that I've done as well as walking with Jesus since I was tiny. Mm-hmm. So there's all these things I've done that I can come along beside a lot of people in a lot of different fields, especially leaders, and just encourage help and provide some next step type counseling and coaching. Mm. That's amazing. Yeah. And it's it's so cool to see how God can bring us to that place where we're able to lead, but then also encourage other leaders. So it sounds like that's a big part of what you do now. Yeah. Love that. Awesome. Awesome. So have there been any specific life events that have contributed to you growing and discovering (laughs) your leadership (laughs) along the way? Well, I think they, they started real young for me. I had three major events when I was four years old. (laughs) So the first one was that uh, we were at an event at the Minneapolis auditorium and if you remember how tall the ceilings are in, in major venues like that. Mm-hmm. And the other kids were ju- going on the outside of the escalator and they'd go up the outside of the escalator a little while and then they'd jump off, you know? And it was just kind of a fun game. So I kept trying to do it. And they were like, you're too little, you're too little, you're too little. And so as soon as everybody was looking the other way, I jumped on the outside of that escalator and I started going up and they were right. I was too little and I couldn't let go. And oh no! So here's little four-year-old me going up the outside of this escalator all the way to the top. And of course, there's no way to get in at the top, right? At the top, there's a glass divider bar. And my hand started hitting that bar and I screamed and let go. And there was a lady underneath who was selling cups or mugs. And she turned around, put her arms out and caught me. Mm. That was a traumatic experience. Another traumatic experience at age four was that I was petting the neighbor's Doberman pincher across the gate, across the fence. Mm. And it was purring at me because I knew what cats did. They purred. And so I thought that I thought the pincher was purring at me, but it wasn't. 
Yikes. And pretty soon I found myself on my back looking straight up. And it had knocked me over, knocked me out. And uh, then there was another one. There was a huge lightning storm. And it actually cut the tree right outside my bedroom window in half. It just came right outside my room, made a huge noise, cut the tree in half. And it was a pretty traumatic season for me at four years old. And I remember going to a thing at church and they were talking about heaven and hell and that this was going to be the biggest thing that had ever happened to you is this choice to go to heaven or hell. And mm-hmm. after that's kind of when I realized that I was a sinner, I needed Jesus and I accepted Christ as a four-year-old mm-hmm. and just have lived for him ever since, have loved him ever since. So if you talk about major events in my life, mm-hmm. four years old was a big year for me. <laughs> amazing wow (laughs) and then you know along the way I've had a lot of people who were ahead of me on the journey district managers uh, different people who knew things that I didn't know but needed to know coaches I've hired a lot of personal and professional coaches over the years and this has really equipped me now to come along and do the same thing for others Mm, I love that it's amazing so speaking of people that have kind of coached you along the way have there been any specific mentors that have spoken into your life and encouraged you in your leadership so many and one of the things I do and one of the things I encourage you to do is to find somebody that in a given year you might say this is the person I'm really going to study and learn from this year and it doesn't have to be every year like I can't even honestly I don't have somebody right now because this year has just been kind of different my mom passed away and it's just been, it's just been kind of a different year but most yeah. years I could tell you right off the top you know who is my person for the year and I just go ahead and I kind of what I call consume I consume everything that person has written or, you know, I watched their, you know, last year, Brene Brown, you know, you're just going to go and you're going to just learn from this person. They're ahead of you yeah. on the journey. You really resonate with what they're saying and even how they're saying it. You resonate with their life and what they're trying to accomplish. And you just say, okay, I'm going to study from this person. And sometimes you even get personal coaching from them. But a lot of times people have enough stuff out there now. You just read their books or listen to their books on audio and like that. So, and I'm just going to say, there are so many people, oh my goodness, you know, and it doesn't always have to be Christian people. Tim Ferriss is a person that I learned a lot from, Brian Tracy, uh, all kinds of people who aren't just Christian people, but I like to predominantly sit under the teaching of Christian people because they have a, they have a godly worldview and that's where I'm coming from. So I usually resonate best with them. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a good point that we can, we have so many things at our fingertips that someone who wants to be mentored, if they don't find someone in their real life, right. quote unquote, right. you know, real life, they they can find someone that they can follow, like you said, and consume a lot of free content, easy to access with the world we are in right now, like podcasts. <laughs> well, great exactly, people. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and even if you do end up paying some money, it's really worth it. Yeah, I always say, you know, like, like I do, I do permanent coaching so people can get in my brain for as little as 15 minutes at a time. Mm, <laughs> yeah, that's say, awesome. You know, 15 minutes can sometimes save you 15 hours. So there's a little mm-hmm. bit of a fee to that, but then you know exactly what your next step should be. Yeah. And, you know, so just taking the time and even making the investment into yourself or your own ministry, it's so worth it. It is. It definitely is. 
So I want to go back to something you mentioned at the beginning where you talked about some of the travels that you have coming up. And I saw on your website that you've done a lot of international speaking and traveling. So I'd love to hear a little bit about how that has played a role in your journey and how you ended up doing that. Because not everybody travels internationally and especially speaking. (laughs) Yeah, and especially me because I can't function without sleep. And so when you throw in, when you throw in jet lag, you know, uh, so up until 2009, I was saying no to everything that wasn't national. And what happened there is that in 2001, God had put a picture in my head of a little blue clickable map, a U.S. map. And it was very distinctly a U.S. map. Mm. And I knew that that was weird. I was just in, you know, I started seeing this map and I was like, God, what's this map doing in my head? And so <laughs> I, I understood through prayer then that God wanted me to start womenspeakers.com and to be able to have it be really easy for people to find speakers right near them that they wouldn't have to pay this huge travel expense. Cause a lot of times you have a speaker you want to bring in, but you know, you don't have the $4,000 or whatever to get her there and pay for all of it. So um, if, if they could just find speakers close to them, And this U.S. clickable map was how I was supposed to go about that. So in 2009, then, I was um, praying one day, and I had a world map in my head. And I'm like, what is that doing in my head? (laughs) And I was thinking, you know, is God God telling me to expand ChristianWomenSpeakers.com to the world? Mm. But that just didn't resonate. It wasn't like that. And that Friday of that very week where that globe came into my head, I got a call from Compassion International. And he said, would you like to go with us to Peru to just see our ministry? You have influence over a lot of people. We'd like you to really understand what we're doing and come to Peru with us. And I said, you know what's funny is that if you would have asked me this last Friday, I would have said, no, sorry, can't do, bye. (laughs) But since you're asking me this today, I am just not sure what I'm supposed to do. So I'm going to pray about this, get back to you. Prayed about it, had a really big dream go light and just that kind of started then that trip where God just literally called out of the blue and invited me to go and not speak, just to go and and visit another country. And it was, you know, way out of my comfort zone. It was Peru. So it was in the same time zone, which was like, okay, good. I can do this. (laughs) (laughs) And and then later, later God um, started giving me the courage to go even into different time zones. And what I see is him being up, absolutely bigger than my weakness. He is so amazing. And whatever it is that he's calling you to do and you're going, I can't possibly do that. Like everybody in the Bible did, you know? And yeah, yeah, he's like, yeah, 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 you can. Cause I actually know how I created you. And then I get to be, God says, I get to be strong in your weakness. So Mm -hmm. where you are weak, I am strong. And so what I find is that it is super challenging. I pray more when I'm traveling internationally than I do when I'm local. Because <laughs> the travel, especially the travel, it's, you know, yeah. mostly I got in impoverished nations. And so the travel is so terrifyingly dangerous. It is just so dangerous. Yeah. And so I'm just sitting in the car going, Jesus, 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 mm-hmm. Jesus, the whole time. <laughs> That's just yes. good. is a good thing. <laughs> it's a lot of, a lot of trusting for sure. Yeah. The, the, scaredest I've ever been is riding in a vehicle in Guatemala. Absolutely. Definitely, definitely a scary experience. I, I still look back to the first, the first ministry report I gave after I got back from my first international trip in a impoverished, in a impoverished country. And I look back at it now. It's like, I didn't tell him anything about ministry. All I told him about was the travel. That's all I <laughs> think about. But you know, God has you in a new situation and 
you know, you're just in so far over your head and you know, mm. I can't possibly succeed here unless God really flows through me. What an amazing position to be in. And that's where he yeah. really likes to take us. He likes to take yeah. us into the deep waters where we're going to drown if we aren't looking in his eyes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so you have a speaking career and you have been a business owner, lots of other things. So I'd love to find out how did you kind of uncover how you're wired and these different mm. giftings and mm. natural abilities or spiritual gifts that God has given you? What, what were some of the ways that you discovered those things? <laughs> Another thing that happened when I was four years old is I started kindergarten. And it was too early. And mm -hmm. so I always struggled all the way through school. I've always felt behind. I was just not cognitively ready. And I had some terrible experiences at the beginning of my schooling. And I really, Esther, never learned to read until I was an adult. Wow. And so I just struggled. And I would sound out the words and I could make it happen. But I studied a lot and I got terrible grades all the way through. And uh, I very test phobic and school was always just a real challenge for me. But when I got out of school, as soon as I was out of school, within a few months, I was free and I could read and I, I was able to relax enough that my brain could understand that it was okay to just relax. Now you don't have any grades pending. You don't have any, you know, you're going to fail this year or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. I could just relax and read. And then once I started, then you couldn't stop me. I would read, literally, I would read hundreds of books, just catching wow. up on life. Yeah. And so what I, what I learned from that was how to survive in a situation that was really set to kill me. I could not learn like everybody else could learn. I couldn't perform like everybody else could perform. I couldn't get the grades. I couldn't, you know, get the approval that I was seeking. And so I had to learn how to do that differently. And one of the things that I teach now is the uniqueness of you. And I spell busy best unique strategies for you. And I encourage you just even right now as you're listening, just hold up your thumb, just hold up your thumb and turn your hand so that you're, you're looking at your thumbprint because that little one inch rectangle right there is so unique to you that it can convict you of a crime in a court of law, just one inch of you. And when God strung together your three billion base pair of DNA, he did it in a particular way. He created you just like you are for his glory and his honor for his purposes. And I was really struggling with this one day as I was an adult and I was married and I had kids and I still was like, God, why did you put me through that torture of all those years in school being so difficult? They were just torturous. Mm. And he said, well, because if you hadn't graduated when you did, you wouldn't have met your husband. And I was like, really? <laughs> And, and it was true. I mean, I just had barely, I had barely graduated and gotten out on my own. And that's when I met Dave. He was just in the cities for a few more months. Um, I met him in Minneapolis. He was, he was finishing his master's degree. He just, he did easy. He was easy with school. And, um, and here God just allowed me to suffer really for 13 years in order to put me in a position to meet the man I'm still married to today, 36 mm. years later, and all these ministry things in life that we've done together, the three children we have together and the grandchild, it's just, there would not have been that happening if God hadn't taken me through that wilderness period. And during that time, 
as I was going through it, as I've been an adult, as I've worked with other people, that is really the main thing, Esther, is to recognize that you are completely unique. There's nobody that's like you at all. And my favorite analogy to help you understand how special you are is I had written several songs. I've written over 40 songs now, and several are published, but at the time, I'd written several songs, and the songs would just come into my head, and I would just write them down. And I was singing, I was singing in my living room one day, singing some of these songs to God, and I was frustrated, and I was like, God, how come you keep giving me all these beautiful songs, and they just get to sit here with me in the living room? It doesn't make any sense. You know, I sing them once at my church, and that's the end, you know? And, mm-hmm. and he's like, he's like, but Marnie, this is the only place in the universe that I can come to hear these songs. And I was like, oh <laughs> my goodness. Then I couldn't care less. Then it was like, I don't care if you're the only one that ever gets to hear them. I'm singing them with my whole heart for you. You know, this audience of one perspective. And, you know, later after I had released all the, you know, need to have them published and all that, then God did that. But at the same time, I just want to encourage you, you are the only person in the entire universe that can worship God the way that you can. Uh, Nobody else can. You're it. And if you withhold your worship, if you withhold your talents, if you withhold the gifts that he's given you, the opportunities that he's opened for you, they're gone. Nobody else can do it the way that you can. Mm. Yeah. And I think there's women listening who maybe they are listening while they're doing the dishes in their kitchen and thinking, this is, you know, what am I doing with my life? And they feel like maybe they're wasting their time or their life raising the babies at home or things like that. And I love that idea of the audience of one, because it's, if we can do whatever we are doing for the glory of God, then it all counts. It all matters. Well, and Esther, I remember learning this changing diapers because that was really what we homeschooled our kids. And I had been this, you know, big sales manager and winning all these awards and everything, then got married and had a family and stayed home. And I too was like, I don't understand how I'm going to have, no, this is funny, but I think about this, how I'm going to have any eternal reward if I'm just sitting here washing dishes and changing diapers, you know? um, So one of the books, my most recent book that I wrote was Flow Through Vessel, and it's how to let God flow through your life. And because anything that he flows through us, it has eternal reward to it. So mm-hmm. I can go, I can go and change diapers, wash dishes, feed the poor, whatever, uh, without him. And it has the exact benefit of changing the diapers, washing the dishes and feeding the poor. But if he's doing it through me, if I'm actually doing it for his glory and honor, then all of those crazy dumb things have more than the value of what I just invested. They actually go with me into eternity. And when we go through that fire where all the wood, hay, and stubble fall away, everything that has the gold of God on it comes right through with us. Mm -hmm. And so that's actually where I learned that, Esther, is changing diapers. Oh, this too can be for the glory of God. And he can actually, you don't know who's watching you. You don't know what God is doing. You don't even know what that child is going to grow up to do or whatever. And it doesn't matter because God does. And if that's where he has you be there with your whole heart. Mm. Yeah. So, so important. We hear this from many of our guests, the same, the same message. And I feel like it's because we need a constant reminder (laughs) that just serving God, wherever we are, we, we can be making an impact in our everyday life. We don't have to be standing on a platform in front of thousands of people to be making an impact. So I love that reminder again. (laughs) 
So Marnie, can you share maybe one or two lessons that you've learned along your journey regarding leadership, you know, maybe a challenge that you had or any particular lessons that you've really come away with up to this point? Hmm, Sure. The first thing that's coming to my mind is humility. And Elizabeth Elliott defines humility as flexibility. And I remember hearing that definition and being really impacted by that. I thought, you know, that's something, that's something that I can actually track. I can actually track if I'm being inflexible or flexible, if I'm being humble in that way. And one of my favorite verses in the Bible is the proud man, no, the sinful man in his pride does not look to God. Mm. And how, if I'm going at anything without getting God's input, I'm being proud. And God just really desires that I would just remain in his presence, in his counsel at all times, doing it his way and only his way. And so this humility piece is really big. And I love it that Moses was called the most humble man in the world because some of the stuff he did, I mean, he's leading, you know, over a million people. They're stubborn. He, he can kind of look like a little tyrant every once in a while. But from God's perspective, he was super humble. And the way that he was was because he just kept on trusting God for it. And one of his famous lines that I love so much is, if you don't go with us, I won't go, you are the distinguishing difference. And so to me, that's what I want in my life, in my leadership. I want Jesus Christ to be the distinguishing difference. And the way to get there is through humility, through this this position of they don't even need me. They could bring in another speaker. They could read a different book. You could have a different guest, whatever. I'm not mm-hmm. really exactly necessary to the mix because if I die today, the world's going to keep spinning and God's going to keep getting his work done, right? So he yeah. doesn't actually need, need me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but because he's uniquely equipped me, he offers me the privilege to partner with him. Yeah. And that is where the joy comes from. So just keeping this in mind. And of course, you know, I wasn't always in this mindset. (laughs) After my first book was published with St. Martin's Press, and I'd been on TV and going all over the place. And one time I was on right after Martha Stewart. And I mean, it was like this big head trip, you know, it was like, uh, this is what I, oh, you know, wow, this is, you know, I've really arrived and everything like that. And I was really proud. I was really proud. And even I was thinking my family's holding me back from really being something special. And I was kind of irritated with my family for holding me back. Mm. And it was a sad state of affairs. After. Um, but but God just re- taught me then through the years just to just settle down, Marnie, just settle down. Yeah. It's really not all about you, you know? And yeah. I can do it without you. And I remember the day I was in my kitchen and I was feeling really pretty proud and um, irreplaceable as a parent. <laughs> and um, God was like, so what do you think would happen if you died today, Marty? And I was like, hmm, well, hmm, well, that's an interesting question. So I guess probably Dave would either make it on his own or he'd remarry somebody that would raise these kids. And God's like, and do you think I can handle that? And I was like, probably so. <laughs> I don't like to think that you could or would, but yep, Mm -hmm. you probably could. And it really put me in my place. I was like, oh, right. Okay. Even as a parent of my own children, I am not irreplaceable. Mm. I am just getting the opportunity to serve here, to lead here, to be a mom, to be a mentor, to be a partner. And I think just to keep this in mind is just gigantic. Mm. Yeah. 
such a good such a good lesson and probably one that we we need to be reminded of on an ongoing basis. <laughs> I love that that reference of humility being flexibility. That's a that's a convicting one for me for yeah. sure. Because mm-hmm. I like things my way. Oh so. man, you know, and actually, you know, this is a podcast for leaders, and you guys yeah. typically, if you're in a leadership role, you are built to like to uh, be in control. I mean, that kind of, that's one of the core values of a leader is that this comes naturally to us. And so it does not come naturally to us to be fully dependent on God and to just roll with it, like where he rolls us. You know, this is, this, Mm -hmm. this takes a lot of breaking of our wills really to come to a position where we will be totally dependent on him and go with him wherever he leads us. Absolutely. So true. Awesome. So Marnie, one of the areas that you really have an expertise is in staying healthy as a leader and dealing with stress and anxiety and worry. So I'd love to get some thoughts on on that as our listeners maybe are dealing with various challenges, traumatic history situations, or just all the pressures of the everyday life. So can you give us some pointers on ways that we can stay healthy and uh, deal with stress in our lives? So the first thing I want to do, and I want to mostly deal with the stress here in our last few minutes together, because okay. um, I'll let somebody else talk about the body healthy and all that. Okay. So one of the things that I, I struggled with the, my whole life was what God really meant and how he could ask us to pray without ceasing. That really bothered me. And I mean, I really worked at it. I, I remember being so frustrated on days when I was doing things that were highly mentally taxing and thinking, I haven't thought about God for hours or watching an intense movie. I felt guilty afterwards. Wow, I haven't thought about God for hours and wanting very much to be in constant communion with him, but not really grasping at all how to make that happen. (laughs) And yet it was a command, pray without ceasing. It's not like pray whenever you can or pray between things or it's pray without ceasing. So one of the things that has given me the most peace and joy in my life, in my leadership, is learning how to pray without ceasing, without guilt, to pray really, Mm. really pray without ceasing. And so the analogy is a dolphin. So if you think about a dolphin, a dolphin is a water dweller and an air breather. So the dolphin lives under the water, does all of its housekeeping and life under the water, and then it pops up every couple minutes for air, and that's how it survives. And we all know that when we as humans are running out of air, it would be the same thing for the dolphin. As soon as the dolphin starts needing air, it starts to feel a kind of stress or anxiety. And so it goes up for air. And this is very automatic for the dolphin. Like you and I, when we breathe, we don't even think about it. There is no thought happening. It's so constant that there's no thought. But for the dolphin, it's a little different. It doesn't have to go up exactly every 4.2 minutes or whatever. It can go Mm -hmm. up sometime between three and five minutes. So for us with the prayer, we are earth dwellers, but we are prayer breathers. And so we live on the earth, but in order for us to survive spiritually, we have to go up for air through prayer. And this analogy helps me tremendously because just like the dolphin will have a sensation that causes it to to surface and get air, we have sensations that will cause us to need to go to prayer. And the more that we understand this, the more that we make this into a lifestyle, a habit, just something that we do all the time, the more we'll find ourselves turning every single emotion, every single 
anxious or happy thought into um, a conscious awareness of our need to talk to Jesus right then. Mm. And it changes everything, Esther, because no longer do I have to wait for a certain time or feel guilty if I miss the time. Instead, it's just life itself. It is the circumstances that God's allowing in my life that drives me to prayer. And so I just call it the air of prayer. I just breathe the air of prayer. And that's what I encourage you guys to do too, as just the number one stress reliever is get into this habit of breathing the air of prayer. Whenever you have a positive or negative emotion of any kind, recognize that it's your spiritual self saying time to breathe. Mm, that's such a good analogy. I love that. And it's, it's such a practical way to remember. <laughs> <laughs> so I love that example. <laughs> what about um, habits and routines? Like, do you feel that having habits and routines can be helpful for us as leaders in staying healthy in our everyday lives. And do you have any examples of how you've done that for yourself? Absolutely. And habits and routines. Um, in the Floater Vessel book that I wrote most recently now, I have a lot in there about habits. There's a whole section because people really misunderstand habits a lot. And we get really maybe down on ourselves because we can't break a bad habit or because we can't start a new habit, you know. But I think of most of the habits that we have that are really troublesome to us are in the spiritual realm or, or in the deep down side of us where it's hard for us to even get at them. So yeah. if you imagine, you know, being a 18 month old, a two year old or whatever, the habit that we learned that was the most destructive as a small child was independence. It's great. <laughs> it's great for life, <laughs> but it is so good for spirituality. So uh, we learned to say, no, I'm going to do it my own way or no, I can do it myself. So we've had thousands or millions of repetitions of that particular habit in our lives. And that's really destructive with our relationship with God, because with God, he wants to say, no, you do it my way. And we just want to say, no, I'll do it my way. And so we have these <laughs> habits that are, that are um, detrimental to our peace and freedom and joy and usefulness to God and rewards and all that, but they're hard to break. And I like to change, you know, use the analogy of um, pasta noodles. So if you take these noodles, and you just have a little habit that you started recently. Maybe you started having a Coke every night before bed and you're noticing that the weight's going up or something like that. It's mm -hmm. pretty easy to break that, right? You just, you just make a commitment and you break that. No problem. But let's say that it's one of these habits that you've had since you were little or maybe for 30 years or whatever. And now what you have is you have millions of habit strands, like habit noodles. <laughs> mm -hmm. And if you were to take a whole package of pasta noodles and you would put your hands on each side of them and you try to break that whole package, it's not going to work, work out. So what do you have to do, Esther? One at a time. Uh, break break it, yeah, small steps <laughs> at a time, right? You just, have to, yeah. you just have to break what you can break. And that's this whole, this whole uh, teaching now that we're seeing scientifically where mm -hmm. it's like you have to take two degree turns or you have to break small, make smaller habit changes. Don't try to change this whole thing. So my analogy is, is that a deep set habit that you have in your life is like a train with 50 cars that's going 70 miles an hour. And now as the conductor, it's true that you have the right to turn that train. You get to tell the train when to start, when to stop, when to turn. You're the conductor. You're the driver. However, you've got 50 cars behind you, and it's going 70 miles an hour. If you try to make a hard right turn or a U-turn right now, 
you're going to crash and burn. And the whole way that God put our subconscious mind together is so that it won't allow that to happen. It's, it's created to keep us stable and, and um, to help us to not have accidents. So when we slip, our hands automatically go out. When we're hot, we get, uh, we get sweat to help yeah. relieve, you know, cold, we get goosebumps. So the body is just naturally set up to prevent us from changing a deep set habit really quickly. Mm. And so there's a lot of peace there because a lot of gals really, I know you guys, I've done it too, beat myself up because I can't change a habit fast enough. It's like, how come this habit takes so long to overcome? Well, you have millions or even billions of repetitions of that habit. Your brain is thinking so fast all the time. And you've been maybe having this particular habit or weakness in your life since you were tiny. So mm. give yourself some grace. But yes, as soon as you can, start making habit changes that are going to be good for you. I mean, one of my, I just every morning, I have to back up just a step before I tell you yeah. the habit. But yeah. uh, um, in 1997, God asked me to do something that couldn't possibly be done. My plate was so full, there was no space for anything else. And this particular commitment would have taken several extra hours a week, and there was just no way I could do it. But I didn't feel free to let anything else go. So I couldn't I couldn't get past it. It was like, okay, I, this is just keeps coming. I'm supposed to do this, but there's no way for me to do it. I don't know how to do it. So God, you're going to have to you're going to have to show me how to do it. He didn't show me any way to do it. So I finally was really frustrated. And I said, well, then apparently time is of no object to you because there is no way for me to say yes to this and to be able to do it and still be able to do everything else I'm doing. So I said, as long as time is of no object to you, then time must be of no object to me. So I put away my watch. I put away my alarm clock. I took down all the clocks around my house. I left, I left Dave's alarm clock on his and the microwave clock. Otherwise, I went clockless. I went completely wow. Time free, and uh, it was <laughs> terrible. It was awful. Of course, I had I had these deep addictions to being time controlled, being time managers. I was priding myself on being the one minute manager, and and I was so on time and so prompt. And so to live without a watch was just terrifying and overwhelming. And sometimes in the night, you know, I'd be like, I'd lay down and I'd be like, okay, God, wake me up, and I need to get up. And so I'd wake up and I'd get up and I'd take my shower and I'd get dressed and I'd sit down in the living room and have my private time with God. Everything's still really quiet and really dark outside. And finally I'd be like, I wonder what time it is, you know? So I'd walk into the kitchen and I'd look at the microwave and it'd be like three in the morning. I'm like, well, that isn't working. <laughs> so, but I was committed. I knew that I couldn't do it without God ordering my time. And so it took about six weeks for me to actually listen closely enough to actually hear when it was time to get up and when it was time to move around. And I, I, I became, I got in this flow of just listening to Jesus and letting him orchestrate my time and my schedule. <laughs> mm. So having said all that, then, you know, going forward in time, there's, there's situations where there's just simply no time to do this or that or the other. And so I just have to lift it up to God and say, you know, what is it you want me to do? And sometimes when we owned the restaurant and the retail store and I was homeschooling still at the time and running womenspeakers.com, it was crazy. And sometimes I'd be triple booked. I'd have like three places I would need to be mm. at the same time. And I would go ahead and schedule those appointments. And I'd be like, okay, God, this is impossible, but you've got to do what you need to do here. And so I would, I would just go through the day and he always would just move it around. He would just move it around. Mm. It was miraculous. I, I could tell you <laughs> miracle after miracle after miracle related to just being flexible enough to letting God orchestrate every detail of our lives right down to the time. 
But the analogy there was that breaking the time habit for me took a, took a solid six weeks. And I think that that was really miraculous. I think it was mm. very fast. But one of the principles it taught me is as you're breaking this big set of pasta, let's say the whole box of pasta, so you take a little set, you take a little set, pretty soon you're down and you've got a big chunk left in your hand, but it's enough. You can do it. You have enough strength mm. to do it. And as you're developing these habits, you're actually getting stronger at habit development in that area. And you're going to be able to break a lot at the end. So don't give up. Just keep on working towards the smaller habits that are going to feed into this large habit break at the end. Mm, yeah. So, so good. We talked about habits um, back in January on the on the podcast mm. and had a few episodes about habits. And, and so much of what you're talking about, it completely coincides with that. So I'm curious to know, just for your everyday life, because you are a mom, it sounds like you're a grandma, you're yep. a wife, <laughs> and then you're a business owner and you're a speaker. What are some of your own personal habits and routines that help you stay healthy and be effective as with all these different roles that you are that you're managing. <laughs> so the first first thing is that if we think about um, the book of Genesis when God's creating the world, His day started in the evening, and it was evening and it was morning. It was the first day. So mm. how, how do you go to bed? <laughs> and mm. uh, so one of the things that I do is when I crawl into bed, I just ask God, "How was it with us today?" And sometimes he's like, oh, this is a great day. Go to sleep. You're good. And some days he's like, there's a couple things we need to talk about. <laughs> so we have a little chat before I drift off to sleep. But it's such a peaceful and wonderful way to go to bed at night. And I define success as God's well done, good and faithful servant. And I know that the dictionary defines it as the accomplishment of a goal. But honestly, even like an Olympian, they get they get the gold medal. And as soon as they get off that and they have to start defending the gold medal. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was all the time until they got there, they weren't a gold medalist. They were just somebody who was working on whatever their skill was. And so this nightly practice of just checking in with God and saying, how is it with us? And hearing his well done, my good and faithful servant, go to sleep. It's just this beautiful way to reduce the stress of the whole big life, all of the big things that have to happen down to the nitty gritty of how was it today? What can we do better tomorrow? Mm. And then in the morning to just wake up and I don't wake up to an alarm of any kind. So I just wake up with Jesus. I just wake up when he wakes me up and I'm thinking right away the Lord's prayer and I've just personalized it. And every day it's a little different, but good morning, dad. I'm just so happy that you're in heaven and not stuck down here with me and planet earth and that you're not, you know, all worried about this and that you can see the whole future and that you have this whole day already planned out and that I just get to get up and walk in it and your name is so amazing. And I just go to the Lord's prayer even before I get out of bed. And honestly, Esther, sometimes I drift in and out of sleep, maybe for even 45 minutes or whatever. I just don't worry about it. I just work on the Lord's prayer there for a little bit with him and enjoy that time. And then I get up and we have got a wonderful situation right here in our home where we have an elliptical runner out in our Florida room. And so before I shower or anything, I grab my I grab my headset and my phone and I grab my prayer list. I go out and on the elliptical every morning, I pray through the countries of the world and pray for the women of the world. Mm. I also just do a lot of review of promises that God has made. I just have them on a piece of paper. So I'm listening to fast music in my head that's keeping my legs going. <laughs> And while I'm praying, uh, while I'm praying, I get off that, I come and take a shower. And as I'm showering and getting dressed for the day, I'm putting on the spiritual armor. There are so many things that we can do spiritually to prepare us for the day. And I don't want to miss this opportunity 
that I have to share with you, Esther, and with your listeners right now. You can make all kinds of great physical habits and still be a mess, a total, total mess. But when you work on the spiritual habits, everything changes. Everything changes. You get to walk through your life with peace and joy and hope and with faith and courage and confidence. And you become this more useful vessel to God. And that's really why we're here. Mm, Yeah. I love that point that you just made because, you know, if we're talking about wellness and healthy, staying healthy as women, it is easy to focus on all the external things that we can do, all the things that can keep our mind healthy, all the things that maybe, you know, can keep our relationships healthy. But like you said, if if our relationship with God is not the priority, then nothing else is really ever going to be fully in place <laughs> or even matter in the long run, you know, so really good, really good place to kind of start wrapping up our conversation. So Marnie, as we, as we get ready to wrap up, if you could share any advice with a younger leader who maybe is just starting out her career, her ministry, what would you tell her? Well, I think I want to leave you with the story of the amethyst miner. (laughs) So we had taken a trip with our kids up to Thunder Bay, Canada and along the way, we got to visit an amethyst mine. And an amethyst is a purple gem. I, it's one of my favorites. And it's just beautiful. And so we went to this mine, and I was all excited to see, you know, the amethyst in the raw and all that. And so he takes us down, and he's walking this group. The amethyst miner's walking this group down. And we come to this wall of, like, just, just rock. It's just ugly rock. And he says, stops us there. And he says, he says so this whole wall here is full of amethyst. I was like, really? Because I can't see any purple anywhere. (laughs) But he was the amethyst miner, so I took his word for it. And he said, he said, now the amethyst is all trapped inside of all of this stone. And so what we have to do is we have to, we have to get it out, but we can't use jackhammers or electric straws or anything like that because it would damage the stone. So the only thing we can use is high powered water guns. And I was like, wow, that's kind of like the water of the word. That's kind of cool. And then he said, and this wall that you're looking at right here, this wall is going to take us about 70 years to mine. And I was like, wow, that's like how long King David said a person should hope to live. It's like 70, 80 years. And what was crazy, Esther, is what he didn't say. Now, he's an amethyst miner, and his whole job in life is mining amethyst. And he didn't say that darn rock if it wasn't there, we'd be able to get a, that amethyst so much faster. Mm-hmm. Instead, he was just all, you know, he, he had it all planned out. You know, we're going to use water guns. We're going to spend 70 years. We're going to do this until we get it all out of there. <laughs> it was no big deal to him. It's like that's his expectation from the beginning. That this stupid wall of amethyst is going to take me 70 years. And he didn't say, it's the fault of the amethyst for having that stone around it. That's really why we've got this issue going on here. <laughs> and he also was so enthusiastic and energetic at getting all that amethyst out. And I thought, what a picture of God Mm. to me as a leader, but also through me to the people I am leading. We are all a project, a big, long, multi-decade project. (laughs) And God, our Father, is so patient to gently, gently free the beauty from inside of us that he put there Mm. and get rid of the icky stone and the things that drive us crazy about ourselves and about everybody else. And he's so patient with us. We need to extend that patience to others too. But 
as it is with every flow through concept. The win-win here is that he can't really flow love and patience and grace through us until he first flows it to us. Mm. So sit at the feet of Jesus and receive the love and the grace and mercy that he has for you. Because if you don't, (laughs) you aren't going to be a very great leader. You're going to be an impatient, intolerant, proud, icky person to work for, to work with. And if you do sit with Jesus, some of that stone and yuck is going to be getting gotten rid of every single day. Mm. And little by little, we look more like Jesus. We're more fun to be around. You know, we have better results in what we're doing. It's all about Jesus. And so keep your eyes there. Mm. Amen. (laughs) That's, that's perfect, perfect advice that we can wrap up with. So Marnie, what we always close with is the fact that leaders are learners. And I am a firm believer that we need to always be learning, always be growing. So I'd love to hear what would be a recommendation that you might have something you've learned recently that God's been teaching you either through a book or a podcast or something that you've read in the word, anything that you could just share that you would recommend us check out and and learn as well. Hmm. Well, I have to say that the thing that I've learned the most right now is about prayer. And there isn't a resource for you about that. But I've been just praying and praying for years, really, for another marketing piece for womenspeakers.com. So I love to pitch the speakers to planners. And I love to watch the bookings come through and the connections come through. That's just delights me no end. But I keep praying, God, how how can I do this better? And all of you, I know you're doing this too. You're like, what is the marketing piece that I'm missing? You know, what is it that I could be doing this week or this month or this year that would really turn this thing around or kick it up another level, you know, or whatever. We're all there all the time because we're leaders. That's how God built us. That's cool. But on Sunday, during church, it was so chaotic. And there was the PowerPoints weren't working and the phones were ringing around us. And there was a guy that was coming up to my husband telling him he had to leave right now and help him to get some blankets that he needed. And, I mean, it was just crazy. It was just like, yes. was like, what's going on here? <laughs> And right during all that chaos, God just spoke to my heart. God just spoke to my heart that the next marketing, and I thought it was so funny that he said marketing. The next marketing thing I needed to do was that when I was praying for the speakers, that I should call them and let them know that I was doing it. Esther, I burst into tears. (laughs) And I was like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? That I get to use marketing time to pray and connect directly with the speakers and pray with them one by one. This is so incredible. I can't even think of anything I would rather do mm-hmm. with marketing time. <laughs> and, and it has been truly remarkable already in just this short period of time to see what God can do with just a couple minutes a day or an hour or two a day that we invest exactly the way that he calls us to mm-hmm. do it. And if he should call you to prayer, Oh man, run toward it. Do it, do it, do it. And one of my favorite books, I guess I can give you okay. a recommendation <laughs> here um, that is Enjoying the Presence of God by Jan Johnson. Absolutely life changing book as far as just how to incorporate prayer into every moment of your life. Mm, perfect, perfect. We will put the <laughs> link to that in the show notes. Right. And it's so funny because we've talked on some other episodes, episode three with Abby Reich Rockenbach. She was actually my first interview and she mm. talked about marketing being her weakness. And she talked about the fact that she had an opportunity that came up and she felt the Lord sensing, speaking to her to not pursue it. 
even though it seemed by all accounts to be a great opportunity for her to pitch herself for something. And so like the worldly advice that is out there for marketing and for business, sometimes what God gives us is something totally different that doesn't make any sense, like in the world's mind. And like most people would say prayer for your marketing time, that seems crazy. <laughs> but God has yeah. much bigger plans for us than we can even know. So <laughs> he, does. he does. He leads us exactly where we need to be. So thank you so much for sharing that. So Marnie, I know that people are going to want to connect with you. They're going to want to learn more about this women speakers opportunity that you have and other things that you've done, your books that you've written. So where can people connect with you? How can they find more out about what you do? Yeah, just over at Marnie.com, M-A-R-N-I-E.com. And you can just tool around there. There's a lot of free stuff. Um, There's also a membership there. If you want to get into the mentorship membership, just go ahead and check that out. And I would love to get to know you. I also do one-on-one coaching just as a permanent. I don't do the long-term coaching at all. It's just if you need help for a couple minutes deciding what to do next or thinking about something, that's available to you there too. Awesome. Yeah, and we'll have all the links to all your places so people can connect with you so check that out if you're listening and you want to find out more about what marnie offers so thanks again marnie for taking the time to talk with us today and thank you for joining us i hope that you'll go check out esther's website and ministry over at estherlittlefield.com and that's also where you can access her christian woman leaders podcast Thanks for joining us at Perspective Transformation. This is Marnie Swedberg. My website is www.marnie.com, M-A-R-N-I-E.com. I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. See you next time. Bye-bye now. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.